Welcome to episode 68 of On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest On Air podcast. The Ohio Hockey Digest is the foremost location for hockey in Ohio, covering every level played from youth and high school to juniors, college, and pro. Articles written to keep the hockey community up to date on all happenings in hockey in Ohio. My name is Tim Sullivan. I'm joined by Jason Lewandowski and Dan Humphrey. We also have live audience tonight. We are bringing you fresh content, adding voices, names, and faces to interesting people, making the Ohio hockey community better. We have a great show for you this week. We talked about high school hockey down south last week with Tim Pennington of Olentangy, Berlin, and Kevin Berry of Archbishop Alter. This week, we moved to the Cleveland area with university school head coach Andy Giroux and Joe Godino of the Parma High School Redmen. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest on-air podcast is brought to you by Athletic Performance Insight. API is easy-to-use, affordable technology, designed specifically for amateur hockey, provides every team the opportunity to benefit from video and analytics. Team uses the API app to track events in real time. Event data is used to generate reports and simplify video review. Athletic Performance Insight, amateur hockey, elite technology, professional results. Go to athleticperformanceinsight.com today to learn about this, this tool and a view of the demo video. Well, Jay, last week when we talked with Tim and Kevin, um, you know, they talked a little about where they're at. And, uh, um, you know, Berlin petitioned to move up to the uh, the higher division. They're 9-1-0 after winning the tournament. Um, and Alter wins again over the weekend to go 7-0. We talked a little about the Southwest Ohio uh, High School Hockey League. Uh, they're down to six teams, five plus Talawana, which returned, uh, but Sycamore and Centerville had to uh, uh, take a year off and then come back. So it was a good talk with them. Uh, we look forward to uh, talking high school hockey here. Uh, we do have our guests in-house today. We do have Joe Godino. Say hello, Joe. How are you doing? And we have Andy Giroux in-house. How are you doing, guys? Uh, but before we get to that, let's talk a little bit about the news. Let's see what's in the news of the Ohio Hockey Digest. The Columbus Blue Jackets and Monsters extended their affiliation agreement this week. So that's going to continue the Blue Jackets and Monsters to have this great relationship that we're going to be able to see players go up and down, just down 71. That's a beautiful thing. So, you know, when, when back in the day when, uh, when we were that, our, our affiliate was playing out last year, or our, our Cleveland was playing here in Lake Erie Monsters at the time, and, and they were the affiliate of uh, Colorado Avalanche. And it was hard for, I guess, the Midwest East Coast to stay up late and watch their guys come from Cleveland going to Colorado. It's a wonderful thing to just have to jump, you know, two hours down south and, you can follow these guys all the way through, and it, it, it's doing well for the uh, a club. I was called client base, fan base for the Columbus Blue Jackets, as well as the fan base here in Cleveland. In some sad news, we have the uh, Brush High School Arcs uh, from the Blue South and the Grand Cleveland High School Hockey League. They had to go dormant as they only have four skaters. And, and as we spoke uh, earlier about down south there, with Sycamore and Centerville having to take a, a I guess, a siesta on it, for a year or so, hopefully not longer. You hate to see a, a, a team or a school lose a program or uh, have to go away because of lack of lack of hockey players. There's plenty of hockey players playing in the area. It's unfortunate that these schools had to go through that. Well, hopefully they can do what kind of Bowling Green, Green did, take a year off and then come back and you know get enough skaters to, to start a program again. The Ohio AAA Blue Jackets defenseman Ryan Williams signed a tender with, Jan with the Janville Jets of the Tier 2 Junior North American Hockey League. Williams was a part of the Blue Jackets' Mid-Am District Championship team last year. 
The Columbus Mavericks forward Ethan Bashra was named USPHL Great Lakes Division Player of the Month for November. Bashra is on a nine-game point streak and has now produced 33 points in just 17 games this season. Former Cleveland Barons and Toledo Cherokee Devin Bobick, a native of Northwood, Ohio, was named the North American Hockey League's South Division Star of the Week. Bobick, 20, posted back-to-back shutouts to lead his Shreveport Mudbugs past the Armadillo Wranglers. There you go. Back, back with the, the name game. What, what was that one? The Macon Georgian? Oh, Macon Whoopi. All right, so since we have a, uh, a guest in town, we have guests in the house tonight, I'm going to pose this question. How many of you guys saw that Trevor where he scooped it up over that to Sonny Milano who banded it in? What was nicer, the actual goal or the celebration after when they just it? What the heck just happened? I think the look on Zegers' face is unbelievable. I mean, it just looks like that kid has so much fun when he plays. Yeah. Like, it doesn't seem like he's playing in the NHL. It just seems like he's playing in a men's league, just going out there and doing things. So it's incredible. Could you imagine being in the NHL and just playing like it's a men's league? No. 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 I, mean, I want to know what the coach was thinking when he saw that. First of all, the guy was so wide open. I don't even know if he needed to do that. <laughs> right. Right. Well, as a coach, what would you do if your player did that? Listen, if it's in the net, it's in the net. Oh, it's on board. I, I like the Michigan version better. When Mike Blake pulled that off, yeah. oh, I, for me, that looked better. I don't know why. Did any of you guys happen to see Rick talking on NHL TNT? I did not. Oh, my God. They asked him flat out. So if, if you were playing or if you were coaching, what like what's your take on this? He goes, well, somebody's got the, you know, somebody's got the answer for that one in the next shift, you know? Those guys on TNT, they're having a good time with the answer. Oh, yeah, total talking. A little bit different, but I saw one of your guys in Jamestown uh, two weekends ago on a breakaway go between his legs, yeah. up top shelf, and my assistant, Don, looked at me and said the same thing. And he goes, what would you do if our guy did that? I go, you put in the back of that like that? I don't think I really could say well, anything. Well, it's funny because he comes back to the bench. Because if you remember this, Andy, they called a timeout right after uh, the team that we're playing, they come. He comes back to the bench and he goes, "I'm sorry." Yeah. And I go, "What happened?" Here, here was the, the, the whole, the whole, uh, the whole thing of that that play was, we're finally getting him moving and hustling, forechecking, making making things happen. He caused that turnover. I said, "If you would have been floating and then done that, I would have had a problem with that." But the fact that you caused the turnover, you went in, okay. And honestly, if you look at the tape, you were sitting right behind him. Yeah. The goalie had him beat, 100%. and he wouldn't have scored unless he went that way. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of those kind of goals, no. but I, he did come back and apologize. It was probably the coolest goal I've ever seen in person. Like, obviously, you've seen, you know, Zegers now, but seeing that in person was unbelievable. Yeah. Have you guys watched social media to see how many different play, how many different uh, versions of the Zegers goal is going on? Like, I've seen roller hockey do it. I've seen other ones. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What well, did did was this? Uh, did you like that goal better, or did you like the conversation in the tunnel with the referee? Don't blame me, but <laughs> that, from that game, yeah, that was incredible. Well, we'll talk about that in a bit. But <laughs> woo, make a long story short, uh, Andy was watching the, the game. Uh, our, we played before them, and we were winning four nothing. The ref said that he's going to call the game based on the score. You heard him say it. He said it to the whole arena. I said, "There's no way you just said that." Dude. <laughs> Thing, you know, like, something out, bud. Something out, bud. Man. Don't let me, bud. <laughs> <laughs> All 
I said, I we after I said, you heard him say that. And he goes, everybody heard him say it. <laughs> okay. This period of the Ohio Hockey Digest on-air podcast is brought to you by the United States Premier Hockey League. The USPHL had more than 1,200 alumni playing college hockey last year and more than 250 playing pro hockey, including in the NHL. Now with 16 Hockey Digest coverage area, there has never been more opportunity for hockey players from Ohio to start working their way up the junior hockey ladder. Learn more at usphl.com. Well, Jay, before we get to our guests who are in the audience with us, live in studio, uh, how was your week? What's going on? Anything new? Uh, nothing. Uh, Ken, thanks for having me. Long-time listener, first-time caller. No, uh, <laughs> nothing, man. I mean, it's been great to be able to uh, proceed with hockey in, in somewhat of a normal fashion. I know some teams around the area have experienced some COVID outbreaks, and, and some teams had to be shut down for a week or two or whatever the protocol is per their, their uh, health district or whatever. But it's great to see live fans and games, you know, good, good sized crowds and arenas. And, and it's just, it's great for the kids. It's great for the kids. It's great for the coaches. The fact that you get that excitement again, you get that, you know, you hear a big body check and the boards rattle and the, the crowds are going nuts. And then you got maybe chance from one group They're back and forth. That's a good time. And, and it's, it's like I said, it's great for the kids to have some sort of normalcy back in their life, but it's great for everybody fans included to be able to experience these things again. Yeah, you're right. We had a, um, uh, a great experience to have the fans back in uh, a good rivalry that, you know, Jay, you and I are a part of, and um, it was fun to have. It was, it was great. Um, I, I do get to tell you, Jay, good news. My oldest daughter is heading down on her first official college visit in, in January. So I'm excited about that for volleyball. So I'm, she's going to go to Muskingum university. They, they asked her to come and, and, I don't know if she's going to go there, but uh, Joy P's breaking the place over here. So, uh, so that's, that was exciting. That's the first uh, official visit she's actually uh, received. So we're excited about that. Um, and uh, we'll go from there. So uh, we are going to get with our guest, Joe Godino, uh, when we return after these messages. <laughs> Joe Godino has coached hockey at his alma mater, Parma Senior High School, for 20 years. Two seasons ago, he won his 200th game as the Redmond won the Redmond won the Greater Cleveland High School Hockey League's Blue North Division and won a school record 29 games in the process. Godino was named the Blue Division Coach of the Year, then led the team to 25 more wins during the pandemic-shortened 2019-2020 season. 
This past weekend, the Palmer Redmen defeated Mayfield 8-0 and CBCA 4-3. With the victory over CBCA, Coach Cadino earned his 250th win. Please welcome on air, Palmer Redmen head coach, Joe Cadino. Welcome, Joe. How you doing? Good. Congratulations. I know, right? Where does time go, man? You and I were talking about this this morning. It's like, it's crazy. Crazy. Yeah, when we host our uh, Christmas tournament, um, our first game's against Mayfield. That's going to be my 500th game coached. I, um, I mean, it's, it's like, you can't believe it. I mean. Are you going to wear those glasses with like the yellow frames? Yeah, I don't know. It's getting there. It's getting hard to see the score from it anymore. <laughs> I don't really have much room to talk here. But. I know. You have where to save off. I mean, how, how fast does that time, that time go by? I mean, does it start yesterday? We just started, you know. It does. It does. I mean, it's been 20 years, and it's it, it you and I started together. Yeah. And it does seem like it was yesterday that we're just walking into Reese Rink, Crazy. Uh, you know, trying to figure this whole thing out. So, as you mentioned, you've uh, we mentioned you've coached 20 years now, and you are approaching your 500th game uh, coaching your career. Before we get into the history of the program, tell us a little bit about your playing days, because you're an alum. Uh, and, and who was your coach, coaches, uh, what went on from there? That's a great term, coaches. Yeah, so I graduated in 91. Um, I legit had a different high school coach every four years. So my freshman year was one. We had one in our sophomore year. Left halfway through my junior year. Had the administration take over for the 11th grade year. An administrator? Mr. Weitzel was the bench coach. Oh, okay, okay, all right. I mean, at least he knew hockey. So, okay. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, my senior year, my freshman coach came back. So, yeah, different coach every year. That's, that's the way it was back then. I mean. Wow. Yeah. Was, was, there, was it tough to get used to a style? Or was it, I mean, were there all different styles? Yeah, it was different every year. I mean, there was never any consistency. You never knew what line you were going to play on. You just, you just went out there and you played. I'm just going to be honest with you. That's what it was like that, you know. Back when we played, I mean, you guys remember back in the nineties, there there was nineteen schools in the Greater Cleveland High School Hockey. That was it, right? Yeah, that was it. Yeah, what do we got now? Like forty plus, and then it's the game has grown so much, it's it's insane. I mean, people don't believe me when I tell me, yeah, there was only nineteen schools, and then you know, back then Ignatius was in the Blue Division. People don't believe me. I'm like, I'm telling you, they were in the Blue Division back when I played. So, yeah, it's definitely changed over the years. But uh, I'm going to be honest with you, as a coach. I might have learned how to not do it. You know what I'm saying? Right. You pick off some things and yeah, I wouldn't do it that way. You know, I know what I had when I played high school hockey and I, I tried to give these kids what I didn't have, which was discipline, which was a program, you know, guidelines, accountability. I mean, a lot of that stuff we didn't have. Let's just be honest. And and a lot of it's going by the wayside too. I've spoken many times before. I mean, Joey, what you what you do year in and year out is, is well known, and it's a disciplined, organized program. That that I mean, hell, let's be honest, you don't take any shit. I mean, let's be real here. Yeah, you I don't. I mean, you're disciplined. You you that's the way you guys do it. Yeah, that's how it should be done. Yeah, I pretty matter of fact. I, I try. I'm gonna be honest. I try. I try to run my program like it's a focus school. Honestly, I'm the guy that's checking grades. I'm I'm not an administrator in the building, so I don't have the luxury of knowing where these kids are at academically. So I, I literally have all their sign-ons for their home access and, I, and I'll know when they're not in school. I'll know when they're missing an assignment. I know they're, you know, I'll know ahead of time if they're in danger of not being eligible. And that's worked for me over the years because there, there's times that if, if I wouldn't have been policing that, we might not have had a team. 
because it's, you know, people take that for granted. And a lot of it is, you know, it, it's work ethic. It's not even how smart you are. It's just accountability and holding them accountable. I've shut down conditionings and summer or not summer, uh, captain skates for two weeks because nobody was getting it done in the class. So I shut it down. But at the end of the day, you know, then after that, they were all straight A's after that. When you take hockey away, then boom. But at the end of the day, you're trying to grow these, these young individuals for a future life, Absolutely. not a hockey career plan. So if you're not doing that, then you're doing it for the wrong reason. Those don't mean doing it for money. They're, they're students before athletes. And I, I always, you know, I, I preach that before every season picks up and we start off in the summer. That's that's the goal. Well, we mentioned in the in the intro that uh, you had some success in recent seasons, obviously hitting 250 the other night. Um, what are some of the highlights of your tenure at Parma High School? Mm. Some of my highlights. So the, the, the sausage sale. <laughs> I'm sorry, the sausage sale. <laughs> peppers, peppers and onions were extra that week. The bacala. <laughs> Honestly, um, <laughs> yeah, I love that story. Um, yeah, we'll get there. Yeah, I'm sure we will. Um, honestly, the one thing that we do every year is we host a charity game for uh, differently abled um, individuals that play in the uh, American Special Hockey Association. And we do, we've done this every year for the last, I think this was our eighth year this year. Um, we did, we always do it at the beginning of the year, right, you know, right, right around preseason. And uh, we raised like $5,300 this past week uh, in November for them. And that covers their feet. I mean, they go all over the place. They go to Columbus, they travel. Uh, they go to Detroit, they, Pittsburgh, you name it, and they play different, differently abled organizations throughout the country. It's awesome. Um, you know, we've got them jerseys, bag, I mean, everything. They're they're decked out, and it's, a lot of it's because of what we do for them. And my my kids love it. That's the one event that we do every year that I, that I'm proud of our program for. Bigger than any winner, you know, any tournament win or any big win game. I mean, it's just that's one thing that I'll tell stories all all the time. And the faces. That are there, and, and you know the reaction you get from those kids, mm-hmm. it's priceless, and it's great to see that you know our kids are involved in giving back. But that's one. Um, and the other thing is just watching my kids grow outside of hockey when they graduate. Man, we, you know, they're coming back to their rank with their kids. They're getting going and learn to skate. Mm-hmm. You know, they're having kids married, and that's the, I, that's what I like about coaching. I like seeing their success stories. Um, and as we as coaches, we like to think that we had a hand in that in some capacity, whether it's us blowing up in the locker room and telling them, trust me, this is what's, what it's going to be like. You know, they come back and they always tell you, you were right. You were right. They don't want to admit it when they're in school, but after when you see their successes and, you know, them building families and building, you know, they're going to carry hockey with them forever. It's, it's just great. You think about that, Joe. We, the way you just said that, like our players now have kids that we're coaching. Andy over there fell off his chair when he said that. He's reaching in his pocket. He's going to get his golden bucket hair down. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, let's talk a little bit about uh, this year's team and how they're looking. Uh, you know, we mentioned you started out with six straight wins. Um, you know, who are some of the key players that are going to drive the success of your team this year? Um, definitely my senior captain, uh, Ryan Myers. He's, he's a forward. Um, I believe he's leading our team in scoring right now. He's definitely a guy that we're relying on. Um, I, I got a set of defensemen that are all juniors that are definitely the backbone of my team. Um, my goaltender is a junior. He's returned. Um, after that, we're very young. I mean, I've only got two seniors this year. So, you know, I'm a very young team, very young. And, we, you know, we're going to take some lumps as we go through the season. But 
Um, I think we're what, we're nine and two now, so we're off to a good start. A um, little concerned with the injury bug that we got going on right now. I lost a key guy yesterday. Um, you know, obviously COVID's always hanging over everybody's head. So we just, I'm just hoping that we stay healthy. And as we get closer to January, that we could uh, be full capacity and see what we can do. So you play for the uh, uh, Baron Cup three uh, mm-hmm. at the end of the year. Um, what, you know, what are some other teams you think uh, you're going to be in the mix? What are some other teams that are going to be in the mix of the Baron Cup three uh, championship? Oh, definitely Normandy. Normandy, I think, is unbeaten right now. Cleveland Heights is unbeaten, I believe, as well. Um, we're there. Uh, I think CBCA has got a nice shot. I mean, Chicken Falls is there. Um, I'm not too sure about that lower division. I think Nordonia should be a sleeper to get in there. And after that, it's anybody's game. I mean, you guys know the drill. I mean, throw out the regular season records when you get into Bear Cups. Or you get into Brooklyn in February, we're out the records because your opponent, who you might have played four or five times, it's not the same opponent that you're playing because everything's different on that ice now. Well, and I will say this. It is when you go to that tournament in February, it, it's a different feel that rink. It's a totally different feel. Toughest tournament to win. And I've yet to win it. Come close a couple times, but, man, I mean, a team that we've beaten twice in that, that year that we went to the championship and we lost to the one at CBCA, we beat them twice by five-plus, and we, we couldn't buy a goal in that game. I mean, three posts, the whole Brooklyn aura, kids' legs are like jello. They're not used to the atmosphere and people in the stands, actually. You don't normally see that when you go to Reese for a Tuesday night league hockey game. But, I mean, it's it's, it's totally different. And anybody that's ever played in the Baron you pick the year, he'll tell you. You know, you guys, you know, talking to Dan, he's like, oh, it's different when you play there. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. The housing atmosphere. So... Over the course of your career, Joey, and coaching and anything, how have you seen the game change? And especially coaching, take the last 10 years, how have you seen the game change pro and con? Um, pro, I, I think there's definitely a heavier emphasis on player safety, obviously. Um, you know, head contact, you know, hitting from behind, that kind of thing, I think is a little bit more – you know, they're watching that a lot more than they did 10 years ago. I can tell you when we played, they weren't, I don't want to say they weren't watching it, but the head contact for sure was not being watched when we played. Hitting from behind was always in the game. Um, but obviously there's there's more of an emphasis, I think, on player safety. You know, you know, neck guards now. We're talking about neck guards, right? When was the last time anybody threw a neck guard on in sports? Back in the 80s? I mean, just, you know, I, from a role standpoint, I, I don't think there's a whole lot different. Um Nothing's really changed that much, but like I said, the emphasis on, on player safety, definitely the head. Shoulder up, I think there's definitely more of an emphasis on it. How, about, what? How, how have you seen the game change that you wish it didn't? It's less physical. People are afraid to take hits because they're afraid for being in a box. Well, I was going to say, are they afraid to take hits or afraid to give oh, hits? I mean, yeah. you know, I remember back in the day, it was very physical. You know, I think kids – reluctant to hit because a they don't want to get a penalty and and i'm going to say this and it might not be popular but when you take it down to the youth level you potentially got a kid playing under a band that's going to get one year of checking 
and talk to them. And then you're going to throw them to the wolves and play high school with kids that are four years old. So I'm against the whole let's not check at Janums until second year. I mean, they, we got to go back and, and revisit that. I think the U.S. I think that they're hitting at an earlier age. They're less susceptible to get hurt when they get older. They're more prepared for it when they get into high school. You know, and having gone, um, we played in a USA sanctioned tournament recently, and it was so difficult to instruct your players because every little thing is called. And, and I'm not, I'm not saying it was, it was, it was outrageous, but you know, we had a discussion with the officials in between periods, and they said, "Well, you know, you guys got to understand this. This is this. This is this." And we're like, "We're used to playing federation rules." And the guy literally looked and said, "Oh, that explains why you're finishing checks." Why you're doing what you're doing. So I agree with you in the fact of taking checking lower, but call it the way you're calling it right now. Right, absolutely. So you can steer these kids into the proper direction on how to properly give a body check, how to properly receive a body check. What's, you know, I, I'm 100% for the, uh, uh, the, the hits through the middle. The, the, what do they call it? The defenseless player. I'm fully for that. But the rest of it, yeah, it makes it very difficult. And if you notice too, well, there's a lot of interference calls that are around. You notice the interference calls? It's all like almost all the time now. It's it's and that's what's gonna happen when people aren't being taught the right way or too late, you know. So Joe, this has been and I can I'm gonna open this this question up to everybody in here. Um, there's been a hot topic on this podcast for you know, this is our sixty-eighth show. We've talked about this many times. Joe, I want to start with you. Um, what impact would you think a a, a dual division uh, state tournament uh, would be, would do for our sport, especially one for like your program? I think it would be great, and I think it needs to happen. Um, you know, no nobody wants to see a team that nobody wants to see a team that's going to go and show up and get waxed in two periods and be done. It benefits nobody. It benefits nobody. Um, there, there's so many factors involved there. Uh, and I'm not going to name schools, but I mean, th there's schools that are going to end up playing at Ignatius or an Eds or a Gilmore or a U.S. first round. And, and listen, you know what the score is going to be? It's going to be terrible. It could be 50 to nothing in the second period if, if you had to. Um, those schools don't want to be playing those games, the ones that are winning. And the teams that are on the receiving end of that beatdown don't want to be in it either. So uh, what, what do we got, 88 schools in the state of Ohio that have varsity hockey now, I think it is? Could easily be done. If you could have five divisions in football, you could easily do two in ice hockey. I think they have, I think they have seven in football. Yeah. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, um, you guys had a breakdown, a model. That was perfect. Scott did that, yeah. You could go off the my rankings, okay, and you look at it, and, and you place the teams where they would be. I mean, easily pull two divisions out of there. I, I would not go three. I, just, I, I think three is too many. I think it kind of dilutes – the importance of a division one or two state champion in hockey. Would, would you think that by going to three, it would help bolster the schools that say the brushes that had to go away because of lack of skaters? Maybe, hey, we have the opportunity to play for something. We're staying. You know what I mean? I mean it's possible. I, 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 possible. I, I agree with you. Yeah, it's great debate. Is the right number right now. Right. But. I mean, do you think our numbers, and Andy, I want, I want you to jump in on this as well. You think our numbers in our sport, uh, high school sport, uh, is low because, I mean, honestly, they don't. Have, there's only there's only one state championship to play for, you know. 
and I think that's what gets to the point, you know, whatever grows our game is what's best for us. So if that's adding a second division, because now more players may be playing at brush or maybe playing at the Centervilles, then that's growing the game and that's better for us. So, you know, it gives everybody something to play for. I think down South, they actually call it like the second chance yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah. And they have all those teams and I'm sure it's a great atmosphere. And if you just gave it the official state, then, you know, why not? You know, it, it crowns 20 more kids maybe to be state champions in hockey. And I think if that increases the participation at these different high schools, then th that's great. I think it's a, it's a bad look for the state of Ohio um, that a independent group decided to go and do a second chance tournament when they're basically saying, we don't even care about your tournament. And I think uh, we heard that there was a couple of schools that said, we're just going to opt out and we're going to play in the second chance tournament because that one means a lot more to us. Right. You know, you have, a, you have a team that goes on a good run at the end of the year, and that's fantastic. No, by the way, you get to go see Upper Arlington, mm -hmm. and you know you're coming home in less than an hour. Right. Why do you want to put a kid that's been four years busting his butt for his school in that situation? Yeah, it's, and it's unfortunate. We've been talking about it for years. Yeah. I think this is the most steam that it's probably gotten in the last couple of years. Um, I think it definitely needs it needs to happen. There's so many people that will benefit from it. Um, you want to talk about growing numbers. I, you know, I think the club teams hurt a lot of the schools. You know, they get to play for a state championship because it's USA Hockey Rules. Yeah. So I think that's kind of deterring a lot of these kids that are playing for their schools. They go and jump in and play on a club team because they're competing for a USA Hockey National Championship, right. which you and I both know it's it, it's not the same thing. So, yeah, I, I definitely think it would be great for the game. Definitely, it would make more interesting matchups in the earlier rounds. You wouldn't have to wait until the district finals to see a good game. You could potentially get that in the second round of the sectionals if, based off of my hockey rankings. I, I, I like that model that was put together. Andrew, I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah. I apologize. But you're over in the uh, Cleveland East bracket, so you're over in Kent State or time Kent State. I don't even know if you guys are going back out there or not. I know Kent and there little problems keeping their ice surface. <laughs> um, are, are they, they're, they're back. Right? They were back. They were okay. back. How are you seeing, you know, obviously the three of us are going to include the West or Brooklyn. How are you seeing, I guess, the, the, the breakup or divide of the teams? I mean, I know the brackets are done the same way they're done both sides of the state or all over the state. How are you seeing the, I guess, the, the, uh, the, the, the play? I, I don't know what the, my mind's going bananas here. It's the uh, the balance. The balance of play over at least. I got I got to talk for the guy too. <laughs> what the hell is going on? Well, I would say you know the past couple of years there's just been you know it just hasn't been maybe one or two three teams that could win a district. The depth has definitely been there, and we've seen that obviously last year we had uh, you know Walsh versus Menor with Walsh getting their first uh, frozen board berth. So, you know the depth has definitely been there one through eight where, you know, the past couple of seasons, any of those teams one through eight uh, could have, you know, came out of the district and had competitive games in those district, you know, quarterfinals and semifinals, you know, and I think there's a lot of good hockey too, you know, past that eight. So if we're talking about a second division that it's not like there would have been slouches just left that there was a lot of good hockey that could have competed at a different, you know, level at a division two level. And it would have been awesome hockey. 
to, you know, have those teams go up against each other. So, uh, but yeah, the depth definitely, I think has been something past couple seasons over, you know, in our East side uh, bracket that's definitely been there. Do you think that with the addition of another division that would up the fan base? I mean, how many, how many times, I mean, we were all in high school one time too, if you knew your school was possibly didn't have the chance of doing well, maybe you didn't go to the venue, you didn't go see the contest. So you get a second division, you're playing your local area rival based on geography, maybe you're going to get a, a, a bigger crowd for a lot of those games. And the kids get that experience of that packed barn for a, a game that means something. And we were just talking about the Barry Cup in Brooklyn. Yeah, I mean, that atmosphere is awesome. Yeah. From, you know, from when it kicks off on that Monday and Tuesday all the way through. The atmosphere is electric all the way through. And I think if you had two divisions in the state tournament, you would see increased crowds for all of those games because walking in, you knew there wasn't going to be a 10 nothing hockey game that day. So I just saw uh, something on the news, speaking of like smaller schools. Uh, Chardon High School just won a state championship in football. I think it was division one. Five, division five, maybe. They just literally, they, they had the parade. They shut down on, I think it was Sunday morning. It was unbelievable. I mean, you know, like a school, like we talked about, like, you know, like a, a Talawanda or whatever it may be. I'm not saying that's a smaller school, but just a, a school that normally doesn't get a chance to to get to that spot. I mean, they could be shutting the city down like Chardon did. So, I mean, it, uh, it, there is an unofficial JV state championship if, if you know for the jv teams and they they even have two divisions in there you know just to make it more competitive you know so i mean you know anybody that has an opportunity to go to columbus for a frozen pool, i know that's a limited number of teams at least in the last 10 years especially it's an experience that you wish every kid could could have for just a moment because you literally feel larger than life and this for I'm going to say 99%, 98% of the kids. This is it. Right. The next, the next uh, hoot and holler is going to be who's buying the round of beers in the men's league. Right. So <laughs> the more the more cues you can, you can put into that atmosphere and experience that, the better. So, Joe, uh, getting back to your, your squad, um, just give us a little bit of, a, uh, you know, what does the rest of the year look like for you? What's your hopes and wants and, and, and wishes for the rest of the year? Well, first and foremost, I, I want to be healthy. That's, that's my first wish. Um, you know, obviously we want to contend for the division title. That's, that's a goal of ours every year, no matter what division we're in. Um, you know, I, I believe that, you know, if they work hard enough, they can get there. And then obviously the Bear Cup. I mean, everybody's chasing the Bear Cup. Uh, to qualify this year, I think we've got to finish five in our division. So I feel pretty confident we can get there. Um, you know, obviously with the two losses in the league already, um, we, we need some help. But, you know, if we finish strong, we got a couple tough tournaments coming up. Uh, your green team is going to be in there, so I, it's going to be tough, tough tournament. Christmas and uh, for our Casmeric Memorial that we do in January. You want to talk real quick about that? Sure. The Casmeric, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so uh, Marty Casmeric was obviously he was a great friend of mine, and he was an assistant coach with me for years. We grew up through the youth program at Fire playing together. Um, unfortunately, passed away um, last September. So, what I had to do is um, turn the the holiday weekend of MLK, we decided to uh, name the tournament after him. And last year we had the, the first uh, annual. Um, your team was in the championship versus my team. It was a great game. Um, you guys, I think you were there. You saw we had yeah. his mom come out and drop the puck, and you know his sister and brother and the family was there. And it, it was it was obviously a great tribute to my friend. Um, so we're going to continue to do that every year. So this year will be the second annual, and uh, 
you know, continue to honor him. He was a great guy, you know, those that know him and lit up a room whenever he walked in it, man. So absolutely. Well, what best way I can honor my friend with his name in a tournament. Man. That's and it's it's great, Joan. You're right. We were there and, and class, class act, and the way that it was done was classy and and um, you know, he he's definitely uh, looking down very proud. So so well, Joe Godino, thanks for joining us tonight uh, from the Parma Redmen. Uh, good luck the rest of the season. And, uh, nice as well. Thanks for having me. It's great. We'll be uh, we'll definitely be watching and cheering you on. The third period of this episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest on Air podcast is brought to you by the Ohio Hockey Project, Northeast Ohio's leader in player development and advancement. Take your training to the next level this off season with the Ohio Hockey Project. Visit OhioHockeyProject.com to learn about drop-in skills and holiday clinics. Ohio Hockey Project's three versus three holiday classic and individual and small group sessions. A Monday warrior, mean, mean stride. Today's Tom Sawyer, mean, mean pride. Andy Giroux is in his fourth season at the helm of the University School of Preppers of the Great Lakes Hockey League. After a playing career at University School, where he was a captain at Ohio University, and he moved back to Northeast Ohio to coach the JV program at U.S. He became the head coach. He became at the head coach position prior to the 2018-2019 season. In his first season as a varsity head coach, the Preppers won the Kent District Championship and advanced to the Ohio High School Athletic Association Final Four. Please welcome on air head coach Andy Giroux, the University School Preppers. Welcome, Andy. Hey, thanks for having me. No problem. First of all, uh, welcome. I, and I know we heard from you uh, a little bit with uh, uh, Joe Godino. Joe's still here with us, and he's going to chime in at some point as well. Doing this live with people in studios, probably what we envisioned this to do. So thanks for joining us. Uh, first of all, U.S. was in a upscale uh, and upstate New York uh, tournament with us recently to compete in the in the National Invitational Scholastics Showcase in Jamestown. Your team has been going there for a few years now. Can you tell our listeners what that event is all about? Yeah, for sure. And it's uh, usually the first weekend in December. We hit the road and do a bus trip with the guys that we always are fond of. They, you know, room with another guy on the team. And uh, Jeff Morrow, uh, Western PA guy, is the one who runs this tournament, as well as one in Pittsburgh over the Christmas holiday. And uh, six years ago, we started one in Notre Dame at the end of February or the beginning of February. Uh, and, and the one in Jamestown, he brings, you know, some of the best high schools from Eastern PA, Western PA, Maryland, Chicago, uh, Indiana, Ohio. 
uh, 16 teams, four different pools. Uh, you play round robin and then, the, you know, the four top teams in each pool play on Sunday. Uh, and for us, it's just a great way to kick off the season, not only being a bus trip, some team bonding things, but we play really good hockey. Uh, you know, three games, you play a game Friday, two Saturday, and then the goal every time is to play two on Sunday. So it was uh, another good experience for us. Uh, you know, not only on the ice, but off the ice. So it's always a great way to kick off the season. Yeah. And, and you mentioned that, you know, we were up there as well in, in the school that, that Jay and I coach at. And, you know, you helped us facilitate that conversation with, with Jeff Morrow. So I appreciate that. And what a tournament that is. It is a, I mean, you're, you go in there, but I mean, you said it to me, you're like, so you didn't get any, uh, you didn't get any uh, uh, favors in our schedule, but, but you, that's why you go up there. A hundred percent. You know, definitely in our, you know, schedule. And it's something when I was a player, uh, you know, I played under Bill Beard. It's something he used to do with us. We used to go up to, to Shadyside over Thanksgiving, uh, play in their prep tournament. We would go to St. Francis up in Buffalo and play in their prep tournament. You know, we want to play the best competition that we can early to find out where our flaws and our mistakes are so we can get it figured out in November and December and have us running in, uh, you know, the best ability come February, March when, you know, we want to be winning, you know, the Cleveland Cup or, you know, winning a district and moving on to Columbus. So, you know, that's definitely what Jeff's tournaments do. So Jamestown, you know, we've worked on a lot, you know, talked to the guys, do a lot of mistakes, some guys who are new to the varsity level, you know, when you play those teams, uh, you can play a good 42 minutes. And if you take three minutes off, they expose you for those three minutes. So. Oh, oh, for sure. <laughs> oh, we learned that. <laughs> I just have to chime in on something. I saw you mentioned you were uh, in, in upscale New York and, how was the hotel for you guys? Good? Because I think our Motel 6 we stayed in Erie was, was, was nice. Yeah, so we've learned a couple of things over the years that we stay right downtown. I, I can walk to the arena. That's a nice double tree downtown. So yeah, I gave you some tips, but I couldn't let you guys yeah, know. Yeah, I know. Some me. of the growing pains. Trust me. I have to have my you know, third back surgery from the freaking bed I slept on. But Andy's like, no, just stay all the way over there. You're fine. <laughs> But anyway, back to the tournament after uh, losing the first game, <coughs> things back on track and a couple ways to close out the weekend in Jamestown. How would you assess your team's play so far this early in the season? Yeah, and like I said, so the weekend before that, we were in the St. Ignatius uh, Thanksgiving tournament, and they had, you know, two great teams from Michigan uh, and then another good team from Buffalo. Uh, and, you know, we had lost. We lost all four games over Thanksgiving and then lost that first one at Bethel Park from PA. Uh, and, and, you know, it was, there were good moments, you know, in, in all of those games. And like I said, there was just some mistakes that we needed to clean up, uh, you know, and, and for high school kids, sometimes it's tough when the success isn't following, you know, the wins and you talk about process, you talk about process, but, you know, they need that, you know, gratification that, you know, their hard work's going somewhere. So on that Saturday, it was great to finally, you know, again, get the power play working a little bit, score a couple power play goals. I uh, get some of the guys who are new to the varsity level, their first goals, their first wins in that, um, you know, and, and all that hard work that they have been putting in, you know, so far this season, finally paying off in the win column. Um, but so it, it's been a learning process, especially with COVID last year, you know, I was talking with the, my assistant coaches and I talked with the guys, some of these guys don't know what the varsity mentality is, you know, uh, you know, how you lock in pregame, what you're doing on the bus to the ring, what you're, you know, warming up, all those little things that make a difference. You know, I was saying uh, some of these guys were in eighth grade when we were, you know, going through this stuff two years ago and last year with not being able to get in the ranks until maybe 30 minutes, if not 15 minutes, four games. 
we just weren't able to do a lot of that stuff. So, you know, with, with a lot of my guys, it's teaching them those little things that then translate to your first shift on the ice. So we, we talk a lot about the routine, right? But the, the lack of identity as a group, because they haven't done that in two years, that makes total sense. The learning curve for all of our guys sitting around this table and just every, basically every high school athlete. Um, I think it's a little bit hockey players because, you know, basketball players, whatever. I mean, it takes three minutes to put shoes on and shorts and whatever. I mean, it takes us 15 minutes to get dressed and that's all you have. And you better be on the ice during that whole process last year. So to learn the, the identity of the program and the routine, that's, you know, that you're right. That is a, a tough thing to relearn, uh, especially you're trying to teach someone that was in eighth grade two years ago. And now you got a senior who's like, well, this is not how we did it. But this is how we want to do it now. It's just, it's kind of a, a tough, tough situation. Yeah. It's definitely been a process. And, and like I said, that's why we, why we do what we do early on in the season, because maybe we get away with some of those mistakes and not being ready for a first period or not being ready for a first shift if we don't play against those great teams. So, you know, it, it's good to expose those weaknesses early. Who, who are some of your key players uh, early in the season that are kind of leading the way, showing the young guys the ropes? Yeah, we've kind of on up front uh, one of our senior captains, Berglund, who this will be his fourth year uh, on the varsity team. He's a forward with size. He's got speed. He's got a, a wicked wrist shot that, you know, he's one of our leading scorers now. Um, you know, I think over that Jamestown weekend, he had six goals in three games. So, uh, you know, not only putting it in the back of the net, but also we have a, a group of younger forwards and sophomores, you know, just showing them the ropes like we've been talking about. Uh, so we've leaned on him up front. Uh, on the back end, Colin Cunahan, uh, another four-year uh, varsity player. Uh, he's leading kind of the defensive unit. He's you know a big physical defenseman. Uh, it's got a hard shot. You know, plays with you know that edge that you like. You know, it's just kind of contagious when he goes out there. You know, he makes his presence known. He's found the back of the net. Uh, he's locked down our D zone. He's again just really showing the other defensemen. You know how you you are to be a, a varsity defenseman, and then. Evan Crawford, our senior goaltender, um, has came up huge. Uh, so, especially over Thanksgiving, 40, 50 pucks. Uh, and, you know, by the end of the game, sometimes he's leaning on his post. But, you know, it, it's, you know, those guys, we, we get back in the locker room and say, that guy's selling out every time he's out there and giving us everything he has. So he's been huge in that so far. You guys always put together a very competitive schedule. So sometimes the record, uh, doesn't really it underestimates uh, how competitive your team is. Uh, that's obviously done by design. Is it ever a challenge for you to keep your players' positive mindset? Um, to have them, you know, in this process, uh, losing, like you said, you went zero and five to start the year. You know, uh, and we do know that losing can can, be, can become uh, contagious. You know, how do you how do you keep that? Like, how do you keep them level? Yeah. Again, it's just talking about process, and and that's when you do lean on those veteran guys. Because, you know, the sophomores were probably looking at me a little crazy, like, coach, why would ever schedule all these teams in a row? Right. And, and that's when, you know, those seniors can say, hey, guess what? You know, my freshman year when we were, I think my first year of coaching, we started one, six and one. Uh, same kind of deal. We got our first win up in Jamestown in the third game of the weekend. And then that same group, again, made it to the championship against you guys. Uh, the Cleveland Cup and, you know, won a, a Kent district and got down to Columbus. So those guys saying like, hey, 
stick with this. We, you know, the losses, the wins are going to come. Right now we're learning, and obviously it's not what we want, but, you know, if we keep talking through these mistakes, we keep getting better each and every day, the wins will follow. Uh, if you play the game, I tell them all the time, if you play the game the right way, the bounces are going in your favor. Uh, and, and sometimes, you know, that's what we saw over Thanksgiving. We played St. Joseph from Buffalo. Uh, lost 2 nothing, but it was 0-0 in the second. We got a goal called off because the net came off. And, you know, I think it, it should have been a good goal. And they got one late in the, the third period and then, you know, end up winning 2 nothing. And we just didn't get the bounces that day. But I was so impressed and so happy with the way we played. And, I, and those results now are starting to come because they've now cleaned up the D zone. They, they've started finishing the pucks when they get chances. So it, it, it's starting to pay off. And uh, uh, that leadership that those seniors and guys who have been through it before have definitely who I lean on during those tough moments when you've lost five straight. Yeah. So you are obviously a proud alum of the university school in your fourth season at the home. There have been some outstanding coaches at university school over the years. Obviously, you, you mentioned the one you played for and a good friend of the show, Bill Beard, and also the WHA uh, points leader. Mr. Andre Lacroix, just to name a few. Was it a daunting task to step into the head coach at the university school? Was there any uh, an, an intimidating things going through your head or was it all just, hey man, I mean, you're a proud person and you understand tradition. I'm going in, let's go guns blazing. Yeah, you know, it's definitely, a little, it was a little daunting. Uh, you know, I played for Bill and Bill pretty much built this program to what it is today. So uh, he's one of my mentors. I, I still talk. Uh, to him probably every week uh, you know we get dinners you know during the off season I got married uh, this past summer he was a part of my wedding so you know he's someone that I, I look up to and you know want to make proud because he, he spent so much time and energy building this program and, and I'm a part of it you know I I came through and played four years for him and I'm not standing here today without Bill without the hockey program without university school and why I'm so passionate about it. So when I took over, you know, I took over for Andre, who I think in his four years as head coach made it to Columbus four straight years. So, you know, it is intimidating when you step in and you say, I got to follow those two guys, huh? So, uh, but, you know, it, it's like, you know, Joe was saying earlier, you know, I'm not standing here out the hockey program in the school. So, you know, my goal when I came in, obviously you want to win hockey games, but you want to make a difference in each of those boys' lives, because that's what it did for me, and I, I know it did for so many uh, other guys that I'm still friends with to today. So that was, you know, my biggest piece that I wanted to make sure that, you know, not only am I teaching them hockey, but I'm teaching them life skills that will, you know, be with them for the rest of their lives. So, uh, you know, when you think about wins and losses, obviously it gets tough during the season when you're on a losing streak, and those wins feel great when you're on a winning streak, or you know, get to the Cleveland Cup, or you know, win a district, but, you know, seeing those guys, I had a guy come back in my office today from two years ago, and just to hear about how he's doing now, his college experience, all those little things, that, that that's what's rewarding, and that's the difference that I want to make for, you know, this program and all the boys that come through the program. Coach Beard uh, uh, is influential in many people's lives, as, as you know, but um, he also to take people out on the golf course and take all their money on the golf course, too. <laughs> Hopefully that hasn't happened to you as much as it's happened to me. So has not. I'm uh, not a good golfer, so yeah, uh, I'm gonna stay away. Oh man. Oh uh, hey, Sully, let's go out. We'll just come on over to the east side. We'll play golf over here. Next thing you know, I'm like begging for money to get back to the west side. So yeah. Um, so this is your fourth year as the head coach. Uh, your roster is made up entirely of players that join the program. 
under you. Um, talk to us a little bit about the feel of that compared to the feel of of coaching guys that you know you didn't have. Well, you you may have had a hand to get them in there when you're coaching the JV team, but not you weren't at the helm at that time. Yeah, and it's you know you talk about an identity of a program. It takes a little bit. You know, they when I first came in, you're dealing with guys who were playing under a different maybe style when Andre was the coach. So, you know, you build these relationships at the school. I work in the school as an assistant athletic director. Uh, I teach freshman health, work in the admissions department. So, you know, I, I see these guys and it, it's so cool to see them develop, be able to see where they were as a freshman and just, you know, the maturity and, and things that they've done throughout their four years um, and kind of be, see them through that whole process has been really rewarding and Again, they know you better. They understand you better. They know how you operate. So it goes both ways. And I, I feel like it's been you know, beneficial for me coaching them, them playing under me, just to kind of have that, you know, where it's not a new guy with a new coach every four years. Uh, like, so, <laughs> oh, yeah, can't make this up. <laughs> um, so it's, uh, no, it's been, it's good. And I, I think the school piece to me being in the school, because uh, I see the kids in a different light. I see them away from the ice rink. And I know what type of student they are, you know, you know, how they operate, you know, with throughout the, the day and, you know, getting to know all those pieces, I think helps me coach them. then after, after uh, the school ends, because there's a, you know, we always say there's a lot of learning that goes uh, inside those walls at school. And there's a lot of learning that goes in and the 200 by 85 ice rink. So, yeah, you know, being sure. able to be a part of their lives in both of those, you know, has been, has been awesome. Good, good. So you did mention that you just got married this past summer. Congratulations. Um, what that had to be a little bit uh, uh, daunting getting married during a COVID year, which, I mean, how did you guys get through that? Yeah, and we were actually a postponement. So I uh, yeah, had to deal with a fiance planning a wedding for two years. So all of her, her bridesmaids, her sister maid of honor, I give all of them the credit in the world because, uh, you know, trying to plan a wedding and then having it postpone it and all that, uh, you know, was craziness. And uh, yeah, you know, we were like everything with the hockey season last year, same thing as the wedding, you never know which way it's going to turn or what change is going to happen. So, you know, we were happy. The, uh, we had a outside venue in downtown Cleveland at the Aloft and it was a beautiful day from start to finish. So everything worked out, you know, it's something my dad always says, everything will work out, you know, again, just keep chugging yeah. away and keep doing it. And that was another example of, again, things work out in the end. Right. What was the, uh... What was the, the, the meal? What was the dinner? What were the options? Was there an option or was it just... Here it comes, Joe. It's coming right your way, Gadino. <laughs> so what was, what was the meal for the wedding? It was a duet. Uh, so it was chicken and beef. They do these things where you get like a little bit of both now. So Ooh. again, all these things that they come up with the wedding, there are so many details and I have to give credit to my wife because she did most of the planning and I just kind of gave the thumbs <laughs> up. <laughs> see, see, back in the day, you'd have to like, if you took someone to a wedding, you'd like order the chicken and your date would order the steak. So you could at least try one of each. Now it's a duet. Duet. Yeah, yeah. Damn. I learned a, a lot of new terms, a lot of new colors that I had never heard of. <laughs> It was a process. What's, yeah. the, what's the newest color you've, uh, you've learned? We, our colors were sage and blush, which to me, before wow. the wedding process, that's just green and pink, but I right. guess they have different <laughs> shades of all those. Okay. Yeah. Sage and blush. I just walked into the store morning. Like, <laughs> How the food wise, though? I mean, Joe, it, it, culinary expert, you went to culinary school, and if, if you were the caterer for Andy's wedding, 
What would be the meal you'd be uh, presenting? For the I never heard of duets. Yeah. It sounds like something you get out of the frozen food section. <laughs> <laughs> duets. <laughs> the brownie and the corn. And then, no, I, oh boy. That, that's new. I honestly, I never heard that. All kidding aside, I never heard that. Um, although it's been a while since I've been to a wedding. So yeah, man, I just. What'd you make? I mean, come on. Oh my God, that's Italian. You know that, brother. There's got to be an anapost. There's got to be sausage and peppers. There's got, I mean, there's got to be fish, seafood, yeah. right? Calamari. What's the wine selection? Oh, that's with all reds. Reds. Oh, of course. Oh, red. If you want something chilled, you go to the bar. Get yourself a Moscato or a nice Right? On my tables, it's red. Yeah. Gatins, nice milk pachano, something like that. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Just uh, bacalao. You've been soaking for three weeks. Three weeks. I thought it was changing the water every seven days. Every day, I've been changing it. I got the going on. Joe, you have a uh, for our viewers. Hopefully, you don't mind us talking about oh, this. You, yeah. you have a a restaurant uh, grade kitchen in your basement. Yeah. Right? yeah. So if you've ever been to Buca de Pebbles, if you came into my basement, you would think you were there. Wall to wall decor. It's full. It's a full full service kitchen. Oven, sink, refrigerator. Slicer, baking table. I mean, everything. I, I could run a small restaurant there. So, uh, to our listeners, and, and Joe, Joe was actually the, the reason why I got into like cooking and, and really enjoyed cooking. Is years ago, years ago, uh, you kind of gave me my first lesson on on cooking. I love to cook, and and you know, I, I know Lev was was asking what would you make, but what would it be your like if ultimate meal to make somebody that you think would be Top notch. I love to cook Italian. Anything Italian. You want steak? I can make you steak, no problem. You want a clam bake? I can do a clam bake for you. Anything you want. But my pride's in green, white, and red, buddy. I like to cook Italian. So what would it be? So I, I, I'm, I'm hungry. What are you gonna make? So starters, you're getting like a sausage plate, right? Meats and cheeses, fresh cup of gold. Andy doesn't know if he should laugh or not. <laughs> He's over here like, pasta, right? Right. Yeah. Pasta. Whatever you guys want, man. You gotta have, you have to have a nice olive milk. A nice red sauce. So we can look at also at possibly some with the clams. I can do both. I want a white or red sauce with the clams. I can do both. Oh, pretty cool. I prefer red myself. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Joe has this uh, what is it over seven fish. Yes. Okay. Seven fish. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so the one fish is bacala, right? And I didn't know this, right? <laughs> I didn't know this. This is a true story. Yeah. So uh, we were coaching at Holy Name. Uh, our JV team was in your tournament. You said, "Hey, come on over afterwards. I've got the uh, the fish." Bacala, right? I got it. He goes, I got a bunch of food, whatever. I'm like, okay. So I again, I I'm not I I've never been down. My Irish descent would never get me through the bacala, <laughs> right? So I uh I go to his house and I try it. Have you ever had it? No. Right. Okay, so it's like it's 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 like it, it was like taking a salt shaker and just pouring it in your mouth. Right? Try salt and salt, yeah. Okay. So I didn't know again. I, I I was like, dude, what kind of kefalta fish is this? Kefalta <laughs> 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 fish. Go down and go to Manischewitz. It's the grossest. Look at the Manischewitz. Look at the kefalta fish. You'll keep walking. Trust me. 
So that was my story though. Hey, are you still making your sauces? Yeah. Nice. I can't my own sauce. I make my own lemon show. You really? Oh, I'll get you next time we get together. I'll get you guys a bottle. If you would have brought a bottle of that here, this would have oh. been going on for two hours. <laughs> so uh, what's that agency? They would have shut us down, right? But it's the, the liquor agency. No, FCC. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Howard's turn point two. Well, uh, Joe, Andy, thank you guys for coming in studio. I do want to tell our listeners that this was supposed to happen last week, but with the big windstorm, we could not get an internet. So you guys graciously decided to come into the studio. Thank you guys so much for doing that. Appreciate it. Good luck with both the rest of your seasons as you go on. Um, uh, we hope to have you guys back on the show uh, anytime soon. So. Good luck to you guys too as well. Thanks, guys. That will do it for episode 68 of On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast. Special thanks to our in-studio guests from Parma High School, Joe Godino, and from University School, Mr. Andy Giroux. Check us out at OhioHockeyDigest.com for episode archives and a list of upcoming guests continuing to grow the game as best as we can. This is On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast.